are very blessed to hear a message from Andy. And Miss Hazel here is going to say a prayer over her mom. Dear Lord, thank you for my mom and how special she is. Thank you for giving her amazing talents. Please give her courage to say what you want her to say. Please give her peace in her mind and heart. As we listen today, please help us embrace whatever message God has for us. Thank you, God, for making us your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, and you expect me to preach now? Are you kidding me? This is not fair, guys. That was beautiful. Thank you, sweetheart. So I'm going to invite two of my friends up, Leah and Alyssa. This morning we are continuing a series that considers the I am statements. Come on up, guys. The I am statements of Jesus. And these statements are powerful declarations of the nature and divinity of Jesus. And our story today is the story of Lazarus, and it'll be found in John chapter 11. But to begin our time, I have these two incredible young women, and I want to hear from them what it looks like to have life in Jesus. Their stories are so cool and so beautiful, and I'm hoping that as that's our framework for this morning, we can learn more about the power and the empathy and the love of Jesus. So I'm going to ask Leah first. Hey, Leah. Hi, Leah. Hi, Andy. Leah, how old are you? What grade are you in? Here, turn this way. There you go, babe. I'm 11, and I'm in sixth grade. Ah, so you're a Vine student. Hey. What does it mean to you to have a life lived with Jesus? Well, I know that Jesus is always there in hard times and in not. Mm-hmm. And he has taught me to treat people better and with more respect. Yeah. How has he changed the way you treat your family and you look at your family? Well, he's treated me, he's treated me kind, so I try to treat my family just as kind as yeah. he treats me. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Alyssa, what does it mean to you to have a life that's lived with Jesus? It means a lot to me. It makes me feel peace when I'm going through hard times. It helps me sleep at night. Yeah. And most of all, it helps me have friends because he gives me the courage to speak up and to ask for them. Yeah, he makes us brave. That's so great. So how do you feel like it's changed your life at school? Uh, with the friends mm-hmm. and he's helped me when I'm having troubles mm-hmm. with not just friends but also with school like in subjects yeah absolutely and he's helped me ask for help when I need it that's so good he's helped you have a humble heart thank you Alyssa beautiful thank you young ladies for sharing that. At this time, I'm also going to invite my other friends, Peyton and Rachel, up, and they're going to start our message for us by reading our first text. Okay. Hi, Peyton. Hi. Hi, Andy. Hi, buddy. Go ahead. A man named Lars Lars was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who poured this expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped it off with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message 
telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Awesome. Good job, buddy. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where she was for the next two days. Awesome. What I love about getting to be a part of Vine students and Vine kids is the courageous nature of our kids and students. It is very hard as an adult to stand in front of a room full of people. Can we agree? And here they are leading and loving in such a powerful way. So I'm just uh, deeply uh, grateful. See, not fair. And honored uh, to be the youth and family pastor here because I literally, my job is to hang out with these like amazing kids and students. Thank you guys. Great job. All right. So we pick up our story, the story continuing with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus tells his disciples that their friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And they respond with, well, if he's sleeping, it's fine. He'll, he'll wake up, which is a legitimate response to that statement. But what Jesus had really meant was that Lazarus had died. The disciples had zero desire to go to Bethany. Bethany is a city in Judea. And they had just come from Judea, where Jesus had claimed that he is one with the Father. And in response, the crowds gathered to try to arrest him and uh, execute him. So it's understandable why the disciples would have uh, very little desire to go back to the place that they had just been in such grave danger. But yet, in true and amazing disciple fashion, they followed Jesus back to Bethany. When they arrived, they were told that Lazarus had been dead for four days. And this is a really significant part of the story. In Jewish culture, they believed that the nefesh, or the soul, would hover around the body of someone who had passed for three days. But on the fourth day, it would depart. And so that fourth day was a turning point because any time between day one and day three, people weren't mourning as much as asking God to reunite body and soul. And so Jesus arrives on day four, and he walks in to the grief and the mourning of his dear friends. Verse 20 says, When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this, Andy? Do you believe? Each year, as a church, we focused on a different aspect of belong, believe, become. And 2018 was a moment in time that will forever be etched as a belonging. 
And though that continues into 2019, our emphasis this year is belief. What does it look like to believe or to question or think about or wrestle with belief? What does it look like to dig deeper into believing that Jesus is who he says he is? And that question is so important for us as a church because that question was asked directly by Jesus. Do you believe? It's what we are gathered here to consider this morning. Jesus states that he is the resurrection and the life. He has the power to bring back those who are dead. He has the power to restore life when it has been lost or stolen. And my mind tends to trend towards literal. I see the words, I am the resurrection, and I think about what will happen to me after I die. Um, When my sweet youngest daughter was about five, I was tucking her in one night We sang songs, we read books, we prayed, and she looked up at me from her little bed with her giant blue eyes and said, Mommy, I never want you to go to heaven. Thanks a lot, kid. (laughs) I thought you liked me. What she was really communicating in that moment is, Mommy, I never want to be apart from you. I don't want you to die. See, we ponder fragility and existence And not just us grown-ups, but the kids in our lives are thinking about those things too. Those things matter, and those are conversations that we get to have as people who love kids. When I think about the fact that Jesus claims to be the resurrection, I know there is peace for me in eternity. We were created with the remnant of heaven written on our hearts. There's a peace that longs to know where we came from and where we are going. And this I am statement addresses that beautifully, that deep place in our hearts. But there is a second part to this statement that I know I have missed in the past. Jesus assures us that he is the resurrection, but he doesn't stop there. He also claims that he is the life. And that's what we're going to be digging into this morning. We continue on with Martha's sister Mary in verse 30. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha had met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Both Martha and Mary make huge statements about the power of Jesus. You could have healed him, Lord, if you had just made it in time. And I have experienced moments in my walk with Jesus where I thought, if you had just shown up when I needed you, I wouldn't be in this mess. And yet, Jesus has a greater view than I do. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Okay, Vine kids, Vine students, raise your hands. I have a question for you. Is it weird that Jesus got angry when people were crying? That's a little weird. 
When you're upset or hurting or sad, what do your parents do? They comfort you. Yeah, do they yell at you for being sad? I mean, maybe if you're sad because you got Fortnite taken away, then they might be a little less empathetic, right? But when you're genuinely hurting, your parents and the people around you who love you rush in to comfort you. At least most of the time, right? And yet Jesus is angry here. A deep anger welled up and he was troubled. Why? That seems weird to me. I think the clue is found in the second part of his I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus saw the havoc that death and grief was wreaking among the people he cared for. And he knew a time was coming and coming quickly where he would stand in the gap between life and death and abolish the destruction that comes from that pain. We are promised that a relationship with Jesus yields a bodily resurrection after this life ends. But what about life right now? There is a beauty and a peace that Jesus wants for us in this life right now. And I believe that it deeply troubles him when the pain of the life that we lead is overwhelming our hearts with grief and sadness and frustration. His desire is for us to be able to stand in the midst of painful circumstances, regardless of uncertainty, regardless of the pain, and experience the truth that he will sustain us through it. And those difficult circumstances, hard relationships, difficult, uh, painful work situations, those things don't get the final say. Jesus does. Loss and grief, though they're overwhelming, are temporary. And Jesus gets the final say. And he will. This story then finishes with a profound and supernatural display of Jesus' power and divinity. Verse 35, then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. That is a completely valid sentiment. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, don't let anybody tell you the Bible is boring. We've got zombies. <laughs> Jesus knew what he was going to do. 
He knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead. He has promised us a resurrection to heaven if we put our hearts in his hand and declare that he is truly the Son of God and our Savior. But the last line of this story is the part that I know I often need to hear the most. Unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him from the clothes that mark death in this world. Let him go from the death that was promised him and free him to live boldly and again. To live with a renewed hope. A new purpose. To lean into the truth that our resurrection from the heartache that this world can offer does not have to wait until the last day of our life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We don't have to wait. He offers us now a life lived in a relationship with one who seeks good for us and who is good for us, who empathizes with us in our struggles, our heartache, our insecurities, who rejoices with us in our celebrations, in our victories. He is the ultimate soccer mom, cheering on those things that we do even when we fall down. Jesus doesn't want us lost in our addictions, our loneliness, or looking for a new place to hide in our shame. And I think about the life that our friends Leah and Alyssa shared. I think about how Jesus has given them courage to love in a way that's bigger and deeper than they thought that they had within them. And I think about the difference that Jesus has made in my life as well. I like who I am and I like where I'm heading. I'm kinder to myself knowing that Jesus is still growing me, but he's not frustrated with me. I can give and receive love without feeling unworthy or indebted, and I get angered by an injustice, and then I speak. These are new things in my life. This is Jesus being the life in me. So where do you need unwrapped today? Where do you need to let go today? Because that is the offer given us through this I am statement. There are spots in our hearts, places in our lives that we need Jesus to be resurrection and life for us. When I think about the struggles that our kids and our students share with me, I think about the pain of rejection in friendships And how that can carry through into adulthood. Some of us need new life breathed into a relationship with a family member or a friend. We can address hurt knowing that Jesus is healing. That he is in it with us. Not passive, but active in repairing those places that we don't want to see or feel anymore. And this is really good practice for all ages. 
Is there a little corner of your heart where bitterness and self-protection takes precedence over your desire to love wholeheartedly? Maybe you look at your life and you, you take a long view and there's hesitancy and regret and you fear that you'll never merit enough to accept God's love. That's the weird and wonderful thing about grace is we just get to have it. That's the weird and wonderful thing about life with Jesus is it's just offered to us. This morning, will you look to the one who wants to unwrap you and let you go, release you into the freedom of power and purpose and restoration? So at this time, I'm going to invite our Vine kids and students who are serving communion and leading us in worship to return up front. And we're going to take communion all together this morning. So if you'd like to join us in this practice, after we pray, go ahead and take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice. The bread is a symbol of Jesus' body broken on the cross, and the juice represents his blood poured out for all people. As we celebrate Jesus as the giver of life in all ways and in all moments, communion is meant to be a reminder of the great cost that Jesus paid in order to accomplish our rescue and our restoration. Because Jesus gave his perfect life on the cross, we can stand as perfect before God through a relationship with him. And today, we remember that Jesus truly is the resurrection and the life. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you that you want to raise us, not just at the end, but right now, raise those dark and defeated corners of our heart where we're afraid to hope that life can grow again. And I pray that as we remember the cost to you for that, that we would take seriously the ability to have a relationship with you. We thank you so much for our students and our kids who led powerfully and passionately this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.